again, just while that's being received. And there, awesome. Just being received. It's a very exciting of the last little journey we've been able to journey with people through our whole progression and um, had a couple of people that used to pick up on buses and bring here on a Friday night that, that we've had the privilege of now getting to the next part of the journey and being able to present their children to God and we had that with Lenny a little while back and, and Bree's been hanging out with us again recently and who used to come here as youth and got connected with us from, from Brecky Club at Shaler and and now has um, a marvellous young son of her own that she's bringing today just to present towards God. And just, just before you come, I just want to share a couple of things um, just on when we do bring young children and a few things that are just, just on what we're doing today. The Bible says this, that children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. You know, that's, that's what we have. We know in children that we have not something that's a possession, but something that is gods that we nurture for a time, but something that is definitely a blessing, something that is his, his heritage, something that is from him and for him and to him, but they're a reward. And that's what you've already experienced, I know, and that's what you're going to keep experiencing is, is that reward of, of parenting and that reward of, of bringing up children in the kingdom. And, and I just want to share with you from from Deuteronomy, where it's just got these wonderful words talking about, God's talking to Israel about bringing up the young people, setting their hearts on him and setting their minds on him and says, we, he wants you to hear Israel, be careful to obey so it might go well with you and you'd increase so that your children and their children may fear the Lord, your God. And this morning, I know you're bringing Nathaniel to come and, and, and declaring that this is God's promise and God's gift and that you want to bring him up in God. And this is what God says to them then. He gives them the clue. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is perfect. There is nothing missing in God. And so this morning we're coming with that hope of going, our trust is in God and God alone. The completeness that we need. We know as parents, don't we? We need all the help we can get. And it's good to have a place that contains all the wisdom and all sorts. I, I really wish that children came with a little manual. That would be really neat, uh, really exciting. And um, I, I, people tell me that girls are different to boys, so I'm, I'm hoping this one comes out with a manual to teach me on the next one. But <laughs> but the, really, the manual was quite simple because God said this about parenting. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your strength. Number one thing that we do as parents, and Bree, this is my encouragement to you, love God with everything, with your mind and your thoughts and your heart and your passion and your time and your finance and your, your commitment and your strength and your energy when you're awake, when you're tired, when you feel like it, when you don't. When it's a Sunday morning, you go, oh man, I went to church last week. Oh, I just don't love God. Let's celebrate together. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Why did God say that? Because the way our children are going to see Jesus and the first Jesus they're ever going to see is us. And if we're not modeling it, they're not going to see it. These commands I, I give you today, put them on your heart. Don't just speak it, live it. Don't just speak it, live it. And then what do we do? 
impress them on our children. So get a branding iron, get the words set out in them, and then when they're naughty, whack them with that thing so they've got an impression on their backside. Actually, take that out of the recording, so um, I don't want to... (laughs) No, we we don't do that. We're we're not Bible-bashing parents. We're we're people who are impressed by our actions and, and by our love and by the Word of God living inside us that's becoming manifest. And so, Bree, my encouragement, and you've been living it, You've been hanging out again with good people and, and getting that on the inside of you. So it's going to get on the inside of Nathaniel. And this is what I love. Talk about it when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. It's one of those questions as parents we face. When, when do we actually start teaching our kids? When do we pray? Is there a proper time that I do devotions with them? Is there a proper time? Do I pray before bed or when we get? Do I brush the teeth in the morning or at night or at lunch? The dentists tell you all sorts of things. I'm, and uh, it, it gets confusing as a parent. God was pretty clear all the time. Whenever there's an opportunity, whenever there's something that goes on, this is finally teachings caught up, and they call this incidental learning now, experiential teaching, play-based learning. All you had to do was read Deuteronomy, and it was already there. Whenever you encounter something in a teaching opportunity, take it. Put them as symbol on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Put them all over yourself, your house, your doors. Live the kingdom. Live the kingdom. That's my encouragement to you today. I can see he's getting eager. So why don't you come up and join us? And those that are standing with you, uh, maybe families coming or friends that want to come stand with you, I don't know, it's up to them. Man, if we get some... Maybe get pastors and elders and grandparents. I'm going to give you, let me help you out with these. We'll, we'll have some up on screen too. I didn't get to do this yet. <laughs> no. You think I'd get a good one, so finally, there we go. I almost lit you on fire, mate. Amen. We'll get one of these. Amen. So, Bree, you've come today to acknowledge that the child Nathaniel belongs to God, to dedicate him and to receive him again from the Lord's hand as a gift to be trained as a disciple of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Therefore, I want to ask you this morning, will you endeavor as far as you are able to provide a Christian home for your child, to bring him up in the faith of our Lord Jesus, to surround him with such things that are pure, true, lovely, and of good report? Well done. You're good at this. You're a natural fantastic. Will you endeavor to so order your life so that no stumbling block be put in the way of this child? Will you give your child access to the worship and teaching of the church so that in time he will have the opportunity to come to a knowledge of Jesus as his savior and enter into the fellowship of those who believe? Amen. Amen. Come, let's just Let's just take a moment just to pray. Just to pray for 
agree. Father, we're just so grateful, Lord, for what you're just beginning and establishing in Bree, Lord, for the, the hope you're placing inside her and, and for the fire that you're setting inside her, Lord, and for the wisdom. Lord, we just ask for your, your blessing and grace on her as she just comes this morning and makes a commitment to, to bring this young lad up in your ways, Father. Lord, and so we just ask your strengthening and your anointing. Lord, we ask your hope to be set inside her and that you would just give her a vision. Lord, of what her young man, who he is, and who he is to become. Amen. 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 May I have a, a cuddle come here, buddy? Hey, buddy. Hey. Hello. Hello. Well, would you just help me out with some oil there? I might pass you this microphone as well when you need to that. Thank you. Amen. Hey. That scratchy, is it? Bree, would you just name your son? Amen. Nathaniel Andrew Rowett. Father, we just pray for this little one. And we just dedicate him to you. Lord, we present him to you, Lord, for your service. Lord, he is yours. He is your gift and he is your treasure. Lord, and we just ask that your anointing would be strong to him. That he would know you. That he would grow up, Lord, in a way of just knowing you. That, Lord, you are his God. You are his Father. You're his hope and his future. Lord, and we just ask that your worship would be strong in him. Lord, your knowledge would be strong in him. Your spirit and your power would be strong within him, Lord. Father, and that you would just give him everything he needs to accomplish the purposes that you've got for him. Anyone else want to got something to pray or bring over? I've just seen as Joshua. As Joshua was let, let me help you out, mate. Yeah, turn, turn as Joshua was a warrior, I believe the Lord is saying this young man will be a warrior for him. church, let me ask you this morning, will you receive, as members of this church, through the high calling of God in Jesus and depending on God's grace, will you do all you're able to help provide for the nurturing of this child? God being our helper. Amen. Amen. Bree, we've got a, a candle here, and this is something we do in this church to help remember um, the decision that you've made this morning and the fact that you're honouring God and remembering that Nathaniel is a treasure from him. And so one of the things that we do is these are made to bring out on birthdays. And as they get older, it's not just the fact that, no, you're one again. No, um, it, it's the fact that... Um, woo! No, I lost my fire. It's over there, Carol. Thank you. And it's one of those things to bring out and remember Maybe you can do that for me. I'm, I'm having a terrible job of it this morning. I've got to push that up and then click. There we go. And bring out. And remember. And then when we get to an age, they begin to ask, what's that candle about? Yeah. It's just to remember and to signify that you're God's special treasure. And I just get to look after you for a while. 
for your his and for his purpose. And so we give you this this morning. And can you blow out candles yet? No? <laughs> Maybe mummy will need to do that for you. <laughs> hey! <laughs> you show them what a talker I am. Amen. So we're just going to give that to you. And Amen. Ooh, careful. Okay, we're going to give this one over here. <laughs> Amen. Bless you. So good. Come on, let's just celebrate God again. Tonight. You may have noticed there's a bunch of uh, white seat covers down the front and a whole bunch of good-looking young people down there. Actually... People told me this morning that I was looking quite handsome and sharp and smart. Are you saying I'm not smart normally? All right. <laughs> Apparently, this is artificial intelligence. This suit here, so. But uh, we've, been, we've been hanging out at youth the last few weeks, uh, teaching on, on true love weights, on living a life of purity. And this morning, we're just going to celebrate that. And I've uh, got a bunch of young people who are presenting their lives to God and coming before him, making that declaration that dedication that they just are making a decision they've taken time to consider to reflect to actually place value in themselves and value in God and value in their life to make a decision about what their lifestyle is going to look like you know John Blanchard he, he hopped up from the bench clutching clutching a book straightened his uniform and um, got up and, and started to make his way looking for the rose and looking, for, looking forward to meeting the person who he knew so well but whose face he had never seen. It all started about 13 months earlier when he was in a library in Florida and had hopped into there and, and picked up this little book. And as he read it, the pages warmed his heart, but it wasn't the book, it was the notes that were written in the margin. Words of... Just such a soft beauty and, and just the, the handwriting. Just, there was something about it that struck out to him. In the, in the front, he found out that it was owned by a, by a lady, Miss Hollis Maywell. And so he, with some effort, he looked her up and found that she lived in New York and sent her a letter about the book. Pretty soon he was shipped off um, to World War II. Uh, he was a soldier. And off he went. And, and during the course of the next 12 months, he began writing to Hollis, and she began to write back. And the letters started to develop a deep friendship and a deep affection, and he looked forward to receiving those letters. And there was a warmth and just a growing, just a growing passion and love in his heart that was, that was building. At one point, he asked her for a photo, and um, she wrote back and said, no, it, it shouldn't matter what I look like. Just let's, let's let what's developing develop. Eventually, he was returning from the war, and, and so they made a time to meet up at Grand Central Station in New York. And she told him, come, I'll be hopping off, and I'll be wearing a rose. You'll know me by the rose I'm wearing. And we get to the start of our story, where he's getting up from the bench, straightening his uniform, and looking forward to meeting. He sees the, the, the people coming, out of the station, and as they come out, he, he, his eyes get sidetracked by a, a pretty young girl, long blonde hair, pale green suit, strong chin, rich red lips, 
and all of a sudden his, his mind wanders for a second and his eyes dart off and then quickly notices that, no, she's not wearing a rose. And so he's like, no, no I'm not going to follow my eyes. I'm going to follow my heart. And he looks behind her and sees a rose on the lapel of the lady behind her. In approaching her 50s, a slightly larger woman, graying hair, flat shoes, slightly, she, he, but still a smile on her face. He's looking and goes, maybe this isn't what I thought it might be, but maybe it's something that, that's even deeper, the friendship that's going to keep developing. And so he makes his way and stands there and, and extends his arm and says, Miss Hollis Maywell, I'm Lieutenant John Blanchard. And she looks at him, and the smile comes, deepens across her face, and she's, I don't know what this is about, son, but that lady in front of me said, if you were to come and introduce yourself, he'd taken the time to ask her to dinner as well, and ask me to dinner. She said to tell you that she's waiting in the, in the restaurant across the street for you, and she's just there. You know, there's something about romantic stories that, we, that sort of get us going. And, and if we um, take the time to actually admit it, guys, in between all the explosions and guns and fights and spaceships, we, we, we still like that bit of romance that comes in the action movies as well. Um, and, and sneak the little tear and the tissue. And that's why cinemas are dark, so that we can do it uh, without embarrassment. You know, it's... When God really came knocking on my heart, I was about 15, and he started to explore all the different areas of my world. He started to explore the way I spoke, the way I interacted with people, the way I cared for people, the way I acted in my classes and treated my teachers, the way I applied myself in different situations. And then one day, he came knocking again. I'm like, I don't know if I want you coming in this room, God. I'm not quite sure, God, I'm ready to open. He started to speak to me about the area of relationships and the area of romance. And, um, you know, sometimes we've got a misconception about God because sometimes we think he's just this old dude that sits upstairs and doesn't really understand romance and relationships or that, that soft part. And, and I remember at the time looking around church and God knocking on my heart and said, I, I, want, I want this area... So I, I want, want to set this area up, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to guide you in this. I'm going to be a father, and I'm going to teach you to be a father and a husband. And I remember looking around church and going, Lord, I know the sort of people you hang out with. I'm not sure I want you to guide this area. <laughs> and uh, sometimes we get this image that if we actually let God guide us, that he's um, going to deceive us. He's going to either not give us what we want or give us the beast. <laughs> And, and find someone that's totally outside of the realm of anything we're attracted to or anything we like. And I remember sitting in church with that. But as we were singing this morning, Jesus taught us, and he taught us, and only called God by one name, Father. And he taught us our Father gives good gifts, and our Father knows us and gives us the affection, and he gives us the desires of our heart. Actually, if we go to the Bible, we find the very first need God met in our lives was for companionship. He said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make a helper su- suitable for him. 
You know, in that instant, God made a helper for Adam. He made Eve. But in our lives, that might not always be the case. And in certain areas in our lives, he tells us that he's going to make a helper for us and help us in companionship. At certain stages of our lives, that might be our family or friends. It might be our church. You know, one of the things often when we talk about this, and I just want to take a moment on this as well, is sometimes when we talk about family and relationships and purity in the kingdom, we, we value the romance and God bringing together and, and Adam and then there was Eve and this couple. And sometimes we neglect something that the Bible actually says quite strongly. Sometimes we make single people feel like second-class second citizens. But I love what Paul said. So you unmarried and the widows, it is good to be unmarried. Actually, Paul reiterates this about three times in 1 Corinthians 7. It is good to be single. It is good to be single. And I just want to say that and declare that and celebrate that, that there is actually good in singlehood. I, I, I thank God for the time that I was single. I was able to do so much more. It was easier when God told me to give money. I didn't have to consider or talk to somebody else for that. I was just able to go to my bank account and go, yep, cool. That's easy. God sent me off somewhere to do something. That's fine. There was no consideration. Sometimes it's so much easier to do things for God in that period of life. And, and Paul acknowledges that. When Paul wrote this, we, we understand probably from Paul's life that he was married and by this time his wife had passed away. And he chose to continue in that state, serving the purposes of God in there. So I just want to say this to you. If you're single and living for the purposes of God, good on you. Being single is brilliant, as I've been saying to the young people, and it is something that is um, fantastic. And, but we know, we know that God shapes us and takes us through life and takes us through journeys, and I'm just so glad that God knows what we like and what we desire, and he decided to put all the things I like in, in the shape of this wonderful lady down here. And then led me to her about, oh, no, it was about, about 12 years ago. And I'm 11 years married this year and almost four kids. See, God loves writing, God loves writing love stories. He, he, he's a romantic at heart. And it's that thing we get inside us as young people where we go, oh, I just can't wait for my prince or my princess one day. And that, that fairy tale idea, I think that's a God-based thing. Sometimes that fairy tale idea that comes in there. But there's one thing about princes and princesses that I've learned through Disney. Is that um, princes and princesses, they live in castles. That's their home. And, and there's a few things about a castle that, that are really important. You see, the prince and princess that lives in there, one of the things that the Bible actually says about a husband or a wife, and I'm going to apply this to both genders, even though it says it just in, in one. In Proverbs, it says this about a wife. It says, she brings her husband good, not harm, all the days of her life. Brings her husband good, not harm, all the days of her life. That's fascinating because she wasn't married all the days of her life. And yet... All the days she brought good. So that means before she even met her husband, she brought him good. I, when I was a young person, God started knocking on my heart. I had this realization. I started dreaming and thinking, oh, I wonder what she's doing tonight. 
I wonder what this, this wife God's talking to me about is doing tonight. And then you get that picture on a Friday night sitting there and going, oh, look at that full moon. This is a lovely night. I wonder where she is. Maybe she's down the beach. Maybe she's sitting there. And then that dreaded thought came over. Maybe she's with another guy. And then the, then the imagination just starts to run wild in, in just reaching his snake-like arm around her shoulder and puckering those lips up. Just. I started to get mad. I went and found my hockey stick. I, I didn't know this guy. I didn't know where he was, but I wanted to go knock him over the head. And, and then I had a, an even more scary realization at that point, though. If I'm concerned about what my future partner's doing, I wonder what she's thinking about me. You know, the Bible doesn't teach on us finding our soulmate or finding the one. What it does teach on is becoming the one. Are you doing good right now for your future partner? Are you living a life where they're looking, if their eyes were sitting and hovering over you, as you're interacting with people and, and, and with your thoughts, are you doing something that's bringing them honor and, and, and glory? Princes and princesses, they live in castles. Now, the thing about a castle is the most important thing about a castle. The bit you don't even see in that picture, the bit that you don't look at and the bit you will never see and the bit that's probably the most hideous part of the whole thing is its foundation. We know the most important thing about building a house or a castle is its foundation. But we never really go looking for it. You don't go visiting a friend's house and checking out. They move into a new house or build a house. You go around and go, let me check out your foundations. Let's look at those things, how they're built. Oh, look at that concrete. That is some mighty fine concrete you've got going on there. That, that is just good. Oh, and that, that light. They really did that well. No, you go look at everything else. But the foundation is so vital. Without it. If we just plant a castle on just dirt or sand, it's just going to fall down and crumble and break. And just like relationships in our lives, we need a strong, solid foundation within us. And what this is, is this surrendering this area. This is when God comes knocking, just like you're doing this morning. This is about giving this over to him and going, okay, Lord, I'm going to let you run this area of my life. And not just this area, but every area. Where do we learn intimacy from? Where do we learn how to be intimate? Where do we learn how to love? By being intimate with our God. I remember as a young man that there was no way. I remember desiring to be a a father and a husband. And I'm really pleased Susan and I didn't meet earlier. Because she would have just turned around and run away. Actually, we were talking this morning about, um, it's really neat to have my in-laws up with us, Eric and Denise, they're just absolutely fantastic. And, and down on their wall, they've got a photo of all their children married and then their wedding picture. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it, but I don't have the best-looking suit in the photo. Eric does. And um, he's got a safari jacket going on in that, in that picture. And I, I, it's one of those things where I'm just like, I know it's not a godly emotion, but sometimes I get envious. When I, when I look at that picture, and I was just sharing this morning... Um, with Greg out the front, and I'm like, I reckon if I was wearing that on my wedding day, though, Suze would have turned around and gone the other way. (laughs) But a foundation, I know, and I know that I know, if I hadn't have spent the time being intimate with my God, 
that she would have turned around and gone the other way when she met me. But the foundation that that builds, and right now in your lives, that's the foundation to build is being intimate with God. The second thing that a castle has is a moat. It has a moat around it. A moat around, and what that does is that keeps enemies out and it protects what's inside. The Bible says this, guard your heart. Guard your heart. This is about inward purity. See, we've been talking about the fact that we need to live physically pure, that, that sex is for uh, a man and a woman in marriage only to the exclusion of all others, that that is the place for it and that any time that it's used outside that situation, there's consequences. Any time that it's outside that situation, it places a block between us and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit and that it can cause great harm. We, we know that we know the world is just so interested in, in what's going on in the outside in sex. We, we started the whole thing talking about um, one of my hero football players, even though he wasn't a Queenslander. Um, the integrity of this man is just champion. Jay, yeah, I know. Just, just bear with me, okay? There is one New South Wales player we can actually admire, and his name's Jason Stevens. Um, he was... I just, gotta, I just love this story. He was down on the beach um, after a bad season for Cronulla, and, uh, sorry, Cronulla fans, well, I just got some daggers at me then, and, uh, and he's, sorry, man, it's okay, man, it's okay, and he's down there, and they were just giving an interview, yep, pre-season's been fantastic, training hard, yeah, we had a shocking year last year, we're going to correct this, correct this, correct this, and all of a sudden, after about five minutes, a couple of girls walk past on the beach in the middle of summer, you know what they're wearing, and um, all of a sudden, the eyes turn for a moment, and the conversation seemed to change after that. So, Jason, any girls, mate? And Jason turns around and says, well, actually, actually, I've just made a decision that there's not going to be any more girls until I get married. I'm, I'm keeping sex for marriage. And, and the journo is just floored by this. And it's just his jaw drops. And, and they talk for another 20 minutes. Anyway, Jason gets a call the next morning at 6 a.m. And, and his mate's on the phone. Jason, Jason, have you seen the paper? He's like, mate. My eyes would have to be open for me to see the paper. Like, it's 6 a.m. on Sunday, man. What are you doing? Dude, get yourself a paper and have a look. And on the back page of every paper across Australia, it says this, footballer says no to sex. And uh, it's amazing what the world sees as a, as a big story. What you're doing today is a big story. And uh, we've been talking about that external purity, but really guarding your hearts more than that. Guarding your hearts about internal. Jesus lifted the bar. He said, hey... You guys say that, and you have a law that says don't commit adultery. Well, I say this. Even if you think about it in your mind, even if you look with your eyes and it gets inside your mind, you've gone there. One of the things with purity, it's not just about the outside, it's about the inside, guarding our hearts. The Song of Songs has one of my favorite scriptures in it. Don't excite love, don't stir it up until the time is right and you're ready. This is, this is a young bride talking to her friends. And he's going, ladies, just don't even let this go down a progression. Don't even start there until the time is right. Don't even let this build. See, the Bible talks about our passion. It talks about our desire for sex and our desire for romance as a fire. You saw me trying to play with fire before. It was almost dangerous. It almost got in the wrong place. It almost got on Paul's pants instead of a candle. And um, on the candle, it's a great thing. On the candle, it's a, it was a sign of dedication to God. If that fire caught Paul's pants, 
we had some issues going on in this place. There was going to be, Paul had some issues going on and, and in that one. If, if that had a fire in the wrong place, causes all sorts of trouble. Fire in a fire pit in a campsite that's two meters high, fantastic. In the middle of the church hall, not so cool. But here's the thing, one of the things for purity, you know, the Hebrew word for kiss actually means to kindle actually means to start a fire. Here's one of the things, and I shared this with you guys on Friday. When you're even getting to know someone or beginning and feeling God's leading you towards someone, keep that away. Put that aside. You don't need to lock lips straight away. And I can say this to you because it was five months when we were dating before we ever kissed in there, and so I lived it. And yeah, you get the desire for it, but tell you what, once you start down that, all of a sudden you want to keep going. There is a fire that starts, so the more that you can just pause that and keep it on hold, guard your heart, keep yourself pure. The third thing that a castle is, is they're far, far away. (laughs) Parents like that one. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying that it's like far, far away or you'll never get there in a relationship. For some of you, it's sooner than already. For some of you, it's already beginning and already there, but this means far, far away, we leave it in God's hands. We put it in God's trust. We invest into it now by our decisions and our purity. It's one of those things. We don't just go out, well, it's far, far away. I'm just going to go and play the field and date and just let my heart out to everyone. No. It's set yourself for that person. Write them letters if you need to. Some people write their, their future partner letters and write them love letters about, I'm just thinking about you today. My, my heart's excited to meet you and writing that. But it's setting values. One of the things we say in our teachers, don't... The thing of when, when to enter a relationship, when you know who you are and where you're going. If you don't know where you're going and who you are in God, how can you ask someone to join you? Keep that apart. People ask me, it's like, well, how far is too far? How far can I go physically? Well, you can do lots of things physically. Tennis, jogging. Uh, get to know in hearts. Actually, I'm going to um, just address something here as well, and I love you guys, so I can do this. Um, in church, and this is a value in here, and I'm going to embarrass you for a moment. Can I embarrass you? It's because I love you, and you're going to think. Is, um, in church, one of the things that I teach you young guys is that you're individuals before God. Individuals before God. So be that in the house. Hold hands, hug outside. Once you're married, that's different. One, because the Bible says that those that God brought together and became one when you become married, it's, it's amazing, actually. It, it's really interesting because it changes. The way God talks to you when you get married, it changes. Before I got married, God used to speak to me about my destiny and purpose. That almost stopped 11 years ago. When God talks to me now about destiny and purpose, he talks to me about my family and direction as one. And, and, and I just found that amazing thing, which I, it took about seven years for me to understand what had happened there. I'm like, hang on a sec. Why aren't you talking to me? I am talking to you about you. There is no difference. You know, I call up like different places and banks and they go, oh no, I need to talk to your wife. You are, you are talking to my wife right now. We're one. We're the same. They don't understand. They don't get it. They're just not there on the same level. But um, that's it. Would you guys stand with me? Stand. And I just want to just really honor the decision. You guys here, stand up. Decisions that those that are coming to make a commitment this morning and a pledge this morning, stand with us. 
I just want to honour that which you're making and that which you're doing because it is just awesome and amazing before God. And, and like we've been talking, it's more than just a physical thing. This is a heart situation and a heart commitment. So would you read this with me? Believing that true love waits. I can't hear you, so you're going to actually need to open your mouths. Is that cool? (laughs) Is that that all right? Believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, and my future children to a lifetime of purity, including sexual abstinence from this day until the day I enter a biblical marriage relationship. I just want to point this out in that. This isn't something that we just are making a commitment. I'm going to be pure and not have sex till I get married. This is more than that. This isn't just saying that I'm going to be pure until I get married and then I can be unpure because sex is pure in marriage. We're making a commitment to a lifetime of purity. You know, for some of us here, we're making that again in our marriages and going, I'm, I'm just getting myself pure again and making my commitment to be pure in my marriage and in my relationship. I'm making myself commitment to be pure in my lifestyle again this morning. Now, guys, we've got to... What it is? Come, come out. I just want to pray. That's the important thing this morning. That's the important thing. Come here. Come through. Come through. Turn around. Face that way. Come through. Come through. You can stand too deep if you need to. That's okay. Come through. Come on. It's okay. I don't bite. Keep coming. Come out. We can stand too deep. I need to get around you. Come as a group. Group, group, group. There we go. And let's get pastors, elders, leaders, because one of the things with this is... Oh, now I've got to go around there to talk. I told you I hadn't slept last night. <laughs> what was that there? That's all right. You got it sorted. One of the things that with this is that there is what the Bible calls the prince of this world, the enemy that's out there trying to rob you and rip you off of this. He's doing everything he can to try and take this away. This is one of the areas that the the devil attacks us the most in, and the reason why is because Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthians, says this. You can either join yourself to the Spirit of God, or you can join yourself to sex outside God's plan. The most powerful thing that can ever operate in your life is the power of God and the Spirit of God. And what you're making today isn't just a decision for purity in your body or anything like that in your heart. You're actually making a decision today for the power of God at work in your life. Because that's what this is. And that's why it is so vital. And that's why I teach on it and stand on it and proclaim it and shout it and and camp around it and get a banner for it and just unashamedly talk on it. And it's okay. I've been talking to the youth about sex. We'll, We'll talk about it probably next term. Um, and get there. So I've, I've finally got a couple of keys on how... Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, he addresses a church congregation. You can read that chapter and see he's addressing people in every stage of life. He preaches this message on it, and it's just out there. Um, now, let's just pray for them. Let's reach out hands and just pray, because... Actually, where's Dudley Sylvia? Why are you out here? I need you guys to come pray on this one. 
This is something. You guys have championed marriage and relationships in our church for a long time. Would you come and join? Is, is, is the legs working? Can I help you? Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, so it's you as you, you trip down. And, yeah. where's, my, where's my microphone? I want you guys to pray into this. Now, if you guys, if you guys don't know these guys, these guys are like the, the, the grit. These guys are fantastic in our house. They are just absolutely awesome. And they have lived this and championed this. And, um, yes. <laughs> Am I on? You are. You're on song, Dudley. Let's just pray for these young people. Their lives are before them. Their future's before them. And I believe God has a plan for them. But the question is, are we prepared to follow his plan? That's the challenge. And this is what I want to encourage you. Heavenly Father, you are a mighty God. You take our lives from the very conception of birth and you lead us on through our our teenage lives until you come to the time when we come to, to select somebody who we will spend the rest of their lives with in marriage. And from there on, Father, the miracle of rebirth starts to erupt. So, Father, you've got a wonderful plan a plan of purity, a plan that, that will mould our lives in such a way that it will give us victory over all these things of, 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 that we come against in our lives together. Yes, Father, there's temptation. There's the, there's the tempting to just sort of just lose our life and waste our life. And that, Lord, makes you so sad. But you offer the Holy Spirit and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, whom we put our trust in him, that he will guide us, that he will strengthen us, that we'll overcome. It's not going to be easy, but in him we can be victorious. So, Father, I just pray that victory over these young people today, that they may stand firm in you, Jesus, that they may walk daily in your life, trusting in your word, obedient to your word, loving your word, so that that will mould their lives to the point that they can come through and be a victorious life that you have planned for them. So, Lord, we just claim that in Jesus' name over their lives. Amen. 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 You guys stay there for a moment. Worship team, come. Let's... um We're going to sing Jesus Lover. Uh, let's go back to that one. But as we do, we've got, what we do with this is we've got some certificates to give you this morning. What we ask young people to do is buy a ring as well. Um, I remember wearing my ring on my, my wedding finger, my True Love Waits ring there. And the conversations I had at uni as an 18-year-old were fantastic. 